0: This morning we're going to look at a messianic psalm, psalm number 16. It was recorded some time ago and it was not a particularly good recording. But nevertheless, we'll uh, trust that you will learn something. We'll all learn something from taking another look at this lovely psalm so if you like to get out your Bibles and read along with me Psalm number 16 Preserve me O God for in thee do I put my trust O my soul thou hast said unto the Lord thou art my Lord my goodness extended not to thee but to the saints that are in the earth and to the excellent in whom is all my delight. Their sorrows shall be multiplied that hasten after another God. Their drink offerings of blood will I not offer, nor take up their names. Into my lips. The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. For Thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine Holy One to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures for evermore. May God bless that reading to each one of us. And so we will just go straight ahead and listen to this the Psalm number 16.
1: Right, we'll look at Psalm 16. It's, it's a messianic psalm, of course. Although it applied to David when he wrote it and he put his trust in God and he prayed that God would preserve him, and uh, that he wouldn't go after other gods and that he wouldn't even have the other gods names on his lips when he was worshipping and he could go on to say the Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup he was great about cups he says my cup runneth over in Psalm 23 uh, that was another expression he used but, and of my cup thou maintainest my lot and then he even though David had difficult times he could say that the lions have fallen onto me in pleasant places I have a goodly heritage and so a lot of this obviously applied to David because he wrote it but as against that it is also a a psalm which speaks of the Lord Jesus it's a messianic psalm we have a, a number of psalms like that we have of course psalm 22 is probably the one we all know best My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me? And Psalm 22 goes on to describe how uh, Jesus was uh, crucified. He says, I poured out like water all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax that is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potter. And my tongue cleaveth to my jaws. Thou hast brought me into the dust of death. And that psalm obviously speaks of Jesus Christ and him being crucified for, for each one of us. I cry in the daytime that hearest not. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why is thou so far from helping me? And those are the words that Jesus cried out on the cross when God uh, turned away from him and he bore the sin of the world. So we have various psalms which speak to us Although they speak of a particular event at the time they were written, they also speak prophetically about the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is one of those psalms which is regarded like that. Psalm 22 describes in detail the death of our Lord and Saviour. You know, when we look at the life of our Lord on earth, we see a man who went about doing good. Children ran to meet him. and He lifted them up and he blessed them. He healed the sick. He cleansed the leper. He raised the dead. And yet, he says, the fowls of the air were better off than he was or the fox in the wilderness. He he could say the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests. But the son of man hath not where to lay his head. He who had created the universe, we read in John, without him was not anything made that was made. He had to ask a Samaritan, a despised adulteress, give me to drink. Her reply, how is it that thou being a Jew asketh drink of me who am a Samaritan? He was supported in his ministry, it says, by those godly women as they went as he went throughout every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God and the twelve were with him and certain women ministered unto him of their substance he who had all the riches of glory at his hand yet he was dependent while a man on earth on these women helping him The world slandered him. When he performed a miracle, they said he had a devil. They perjured themselves and told lies about him. They scourged him. He was betrayed by his own disciple. And finally, they crucified him. He was a thoroughly good man, and yet the world rejected him. His own people to whom he came, shouted, crucify him, crucify him, we will not have this man to reign over us we have no king but Caesar Caesar the head of the occupying Roman power with all its brutality to the people they were living with an occupying force they cried we will have no king but Caesar at his birth there was no room for him in the inn from the manger to his cross His life was one of being rejected. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, acquainted with the sickness and disease and death, all the results of sin, all around him, all around this spotless, sinless, perfect man. How he loved his own people. He cried over his beloved people. He cried, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee how often would I have gathered thy children together even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings but she would not this perfect man who went about doing good was rejected all through his life And we might say, what a sad, sad life, a miserable existence. How could he endure it all? Well, he endured it all for you and for me, because he came and he set his mind and his whole object in life was to go to the cross to bear away the sin of the world. Now, when we read this psalm, we have to think of Jesus and all that happened to him while he walked this earth this life by being lived a life by being rejected by everybody even when it came to his crucifixion we read that all the disciples were him and fled Peter who had said that he would do all things and stand by Jesus in all circumstances in front of a little servant guy he denied his Lord before the cock crow twice Thou wilt deny me thrice. Jesus looked round and looked at Peter, but he went out and wept bitterly. He prayed constantly to his father. When his disciples went over the lake on many occasions, he spent hours in prayer with his father God. Remember, this psalm does refer to the Lord Jesus Christ, and these are prophetic words. Remember, he was the word made flesh. And when he was on earth, he lived a life of dependence upon his Father. He said, I came to do thy will, O my God. Preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. He depended on his father. He and his father had complete trust. His expectation was only from his father. Jehovah, it says, was his stay, his support. In thee do I put my trust. He was the one was his support, his stay throughout his earthly life he says the goodness that I have comes from thee I know it applied to David but it also applied to our Lord as he walked through this earthly scene he says the saints, the holy ones on the earth they were his delight Those those who were his followers he delighted in them and he delights still in you and me as we follow him. Quite frightening, isn't it, when we think of it, that we, that he takes delight in you and me. And then there's a warning here to those that would follow after other gods. Their sorrows shall be multiplied, right, but hasten after another god said I will not even mention the names of these other gods in my worship the Bible teaches us throughout scripture that the gods of the nations are demons the gods of the nations are idols despite what people say the gods of the nations are idols, there is only one true God who is shown to us in the Father the Son and in the Holy Spirit. Despite what the ecumenists say and the Pope will tell us the God of the Muslims is not the same as the God of Scripture and is not to be worshipped. And I've said it many times the Roman Catholic Catechism says that Jehovah the Lord God Almighty is a jealous God the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ they say that he is the same as the God of the Muslims and you know if you want to go along with that way of teaching and you want to accept the Roman Catholic doctrine as being legitimate then you have to accept that as well because the reason why the the Pope wrote the Catechism he says so that you may know what we believe And that's one of the things it says very clearly that that the God of Abraham and the God of the Muslims is the one who will judge the people at the last day. And you can't pick and choose. You have to accept the whole thing. If you are prepared to follow these gods then it says sorrows will be multiplied. Sorrows will be multiplied. But for him Our Lord, he says, I will not let the names of these gods cross my lips in worship. And we, too, should follow his example. The Lord, then, in verse 5, is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. It was his delight, he said, to do his father's will. Hebrews ten verse seven it says, Then said I know I come in the volume of the book it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. That's why he came. He came to do his father's will. You know, it's interesting in the Old Testament the priests didn't have an inheritance in the land. They weren't given any land, the priests. The the tribe Uh, the Levites uh, of the tribe of Levi didn't have an inheritance given to them our Lord is our great high priest he had no inheritance in the land he had nowhere to lay his head it says but to do his father's will was as an inheritance to him understand The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance. That was as good as anything for him, just to do his father's will. Thou maintainest my lot. And now remembering his earthly life, for all intents and purposes, from a human point of view, something hard to bear. He didn't have an easy time when he was down here on earth. He was isolated. He was ridiculed. The religious authorities uh, were constantly trying to get at him, but then he was able to say, "I have a goodly heritage. The lines are fallen onto me in pleasant places. Not amazing. The lines are fallen onto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. My lot here has been pleasant, and my heritage is good." At all times, in all circumstances, under every condition, that was his testimony. You know, when we look at his outward circumstances, they may have seemed disastrous. But he had total and complete trust and confidence in his father. What an example for you and me. This sound should give
0: us and teach us to have a completely different attitude to living
1: than the man in the street. You know, we moan and we groan about futile problems. But we should be able to say with our master, the lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places and I have a goodly heritage. Now, in order to be able to say that, we don't look at our present circumstances. If we're to do that, we become short sighted suffer from mind problems, and we're looking within ourselves all the time. We are to look beyond these earthly conditions, and we should look heavenward. And that's the only way it makes sense. Let us look at our heavenly outlook. We have a goodly, godly heritage awaiting us. Let's look at a few of them. John's Gospel. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me, and my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. That's a wonderful promise. That someday we will be where Jesus is. Now it doesn't really matter what our condition down here is like when we have that wonderful vision and that wonderful goal ahead of us. That's our heritage. Our heritage isn't somebody leaving us 20,000 or 30,000 or 50,000. That's not our heritage. That's just something which will pass like a vapor but our heritage is that someday we shall see our saviour and wherever he is there we will be as well what's it going to be like this heritage well in First Corinthians 2 verse 9 it says I hath not seen nor ear heard neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him that's our heritage that's our goodly heritage It's going to be a very pleasant place to live. I have not seen, and, you know, it says, man has never even imagined how wonderful it's going to be. I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. You know, we look at it and we see a beautiful view. We see the sunrise this morning, and it's been fantastic. I have not seen, nor ear heard, Neither entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for them that love Him. It's incredible. John seventeen twenty four. Father, I desire also. Jesus praying here to his Father, and when he was praying in John seventeen to his Father, he was praying for his disciples. But he also says in that chapter that he was praying for those like you and me <coughs> who would become Christians through faith in him this prayer that he prayed in John 17 was for you and for me as well as for his immediate disciples at that particular time. Father I desire that they also whom thou hast given me may be with me where I am to behold my glory which thou hast given me in thy love for me before the foundation of the world Ah he says Father I want all these people you and me and John and James and Thomas and you and me again (laughs) he wants us to be with him where he is to behold his glory and that's our heritage and that's why he could say I have a goodly heritage that's why David could say it that's why you could say it. one verse twelve that we should be to the praise of His gl- glory who first trusted in Christ in whom he also trusted after that he heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation in whom also after that he believed ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory now what that means is when we became Christians the Holy Spirit was given to us and he came to dwell within us our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit and that ho- the Holy Spirit he is the guarantee that we will inherit this wonderful salvation when we die and then in First Peter 1 verse 3 he says blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ which according to his abundant mercy have begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have been born again of the Holy Spirit and because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And then he says, to what? To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you. We have an inheritance in heaven, it's incorruptible, no sin can enter in to corrupt it, it's undefiled, it's pure, it doesn't fade away, it won't wear out with age. The sun on this sofa here, it fades and fades and fades, eventually there will be no design on that. But our inheritance will not fade away. It will be fresh and new every day. And it's reserved in heaven. Reserved in heaven. <clears throat> my name's on it. It's got a, my name. We used to sing a song years ago. There's a new name written down in glory. And it's mine. With my sins forgiven. I'm bound for heaven. Glory to his name. There's a new name written down in glory. And it's mine. And my inheritance is written down in glory. And it's reserved in heaven for you. And were kept, it says, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last day. You know, David wrote another psalm in Psalm 34 and he says, The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing yes our path my path down here may be rough the pathway covered with thorns you may have ill health, bereavement, sorrow pressure but remember my heritage your heritage and your lines are fallen in heavenly places don't look at the surroundings around you here look at what lies before he says, The Lord has maintained his lot. He gives us his counsel. I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. Oh yes, I'm sure on those when he prayed to his father on those lonely nights on the mountains, while the disciples did other things. I'm sure he received counsel from his father. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel In Psalm 73 it says Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel When things seem dark When we do not know which way to turn Then may we feel his gentle touch And his gentle guidance His counsel Gently guiding us and directing us In the way that he would have us go My reins also instruct me in the night season. Now I know it's not the same kind of reins there that we have on a horse but I like to think that it's nice, as a thought that the reins, he guides us and he directs us just as someone guiding and directing a horse. He will guide us, instruct me in the night season. Jesus said, when he, the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall speak, not of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. The Holy Spirit will guide us and direct us and teach us about the Lord Jesus Christ. That was his job. That is his, his, his business too exalt and glorify the Lord Jesus and to direct and comfort us through our life. You know it says, instruct me in the night seasons, when things seem dark, when we do not know which way to turn, then may we feel his touch directing us in the night seasons. When there's no other light, but the light of his counselling, of his guidance, will guide us and direct us day by day. What was the object always before the Lord? It says in verse 8, I have set the Lord always before me. He is at my right hand, I shall not be moved his father always before him even when he went as a young boy into the temple what did he say to his mother and, uh, and, and Joseph when they found him Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business that was his only object in coming here I have come to do thy will oh my God I have set the Lord always before me his father always before him Occupying his total vision and at his right hand. You know, reverently speaking, as far as Jesus our Lord was concerned, God his Father was his right hand man. He was always there. That was the whole object of Jesus on his ministry down here on earth to do his Father's will. And when he prayed, Later on it says I have finished the work that thou gave us me to do. At the end of his life he could say I have finished the work that thou gave us me to do. Because his father's will occupies him totally. And that's the way it should be with you and me. Do we live like that? And if we do live like that then we won't be moved. We won't be like A boat out there on a windy day being blown backwards and forwards, driven by the wind and tossed. No, we'll be unmovable. And Jesus could say as he went through this earthly scene, My heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth." And then comes something which is a wonderful spiritual truth. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to seek corruption. The body of our glorious Lord came forth from the tomb of death, and the foul stench of death and corruption was not on it. the mystery of godliness God did not suffer his holy one to see corruption he tasted death for us yet he saw no corruption and that's a big biblical truth it came forth from the tomb on that first Resurrection day, and his body did not see corruption. Then, look at the verse 11 Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. What a wonderful thought for us. Oh, you could say, well, there are Christians going through terrible times. How can that apply to them? They must look, we must look, beyond our present circumstances and look to what God is planning and has for us in the future. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. With Christ in the vessel, we can smile at the storm. He gives us a peace that passes all understanding. And it says, and that shall keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God. How does it apply in the life of Paul? the great apostle knew something of the joy which was ahead for him he could say I finished the course I have kept the faith henceforth there is laid up for me a crown oh that's what drove him because he knew that he was doing it for his lord and saviour his master and listen to this this is what he couldn't really say surely that he had a comfortable life Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes; they've won. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, In perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches, who is weak and I am not and I am not weak who is offended and I burn not if I must needs glory I will glory in the things which concern mine infirmities the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ which is blessed forever knoweth that I lie not in Damascus the governor under Aratus the king kept the city of Damascus with a garrison desirous to apprehend me. And through a window in a basket was I let down by the wall, and escaped his hands. What a comfortable life he had! (laughs) And yet he could say, "I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness." Isn't that wonderful? It was all worth it. Here's what he says: "What things were gained to me, those I counted but loss for Christ." yea doubtless and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of a few things no he says I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but don't, that I may win Christ all the things and he had so much going for him in his early life, he was, he'd been taught at the feet of Gamaliel, he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, concerning the law, blameless. But he said, I can't all that thing. I, I lost all that. All those things which were, uh, could be added up to a good personal life, and one which was a comfortable life, I can't at all, but dull. But I have Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith, the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. That's what he was putting his faith and trust in. Then he goes on to say, that I may know him. Well, that's all our desire, that we may know more about the Lord Jesus more about God and his word, more about the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives that I may know him we want to become closer and acquainted we don't just want to know Jesus as a a, a historical figure as someone who came into history, as one who who came and died We, we just don't want to know him historically we want to know him personally and that's what Paul wanted, he said that I may know him the power of his resurrection you know the holy spirit the power that raised jesus from the dead that power the scripture says is the same power which indwells you and me through the holy spirit then he goes on to say and the fellowship of his sufferings now we never he never enter into the sufferings which jesus died on the cross because that is something which is a, 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 a mystery that jesus died and suffered and bled and died for
0: you and for me but are we prepared to
1: suffer with him for him Paul he certainly suffered and our Lord suffered but our Lord in this psalm was able to say the lions are fallen unto me in pleasant places for I have a goodly heritage and that is that sums up the whole psalm for me are we to put our faith and trust totally in God to say God, to God preserve me O God for in thee do I put my trust not in anything else not in my righteousness not in anything because that only comes through the righteousness of God when we become Christians we receive a robe of righteousness to cover us and God when he looks at me he sees the the Lord Jesus Christ indwelling in me and he can smile at me it's a wonderful sound thou wilt show me the path of life oh yes in thy presence is fullness of joy at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore